This is Big Podcast. I still act like I'm on radio. I never use expletives, or if I do, they're edited. So just know yeah. that I would probably edit yours as well. Sure. So I'm just going to give an intro. We're going to do it like it's live. I want to get the story because I think you've got interesting things. So here we go. Awesome. It's Build a Big Podcast, the marketing podcast for podcasters. David Hooper with you. Bigpodcast.com is the site. And a few episodes ago, I talked about Radio Race. This is something I did with KCRW in Santa Monica, California. It's a 24-hour film festival, if you will, 24 hours to do a four-minute piece. With me on this episode, I've got Scott Wynn. He's from Claremont, California. He also participated in this. Scott, I'm glad to talk to you about this because this is the first time I'd ever jumped into something like this. You jumped in with me, although we are working on separate projects. This is the first time that we've met, and I'm curious about getting your experience. You did something called the Persimmon Tree. Yes, I did the persimmon tree. Four minutes long. I'm going to play this now because we're going to be referencing this throughout the episode. This is Scott Wynn with David Gonzalez. They co-produced it together. This is the persimmon tree. On a bright and sunny Sunday morning, I wake up early to pick persimmons in our garden. I get dressed, haul our ladder over to our persimmon tree, and get to work. I'm thinking to myself, this is so much safer. Yay. But also, like, it sucks. It's, like, early in the morning. Our persimmon tree is very branchy. My mother has already grabbed all the low-hanging fruit. So between me, wrestling with the ladder for the right position, and trying to avoid getting scratched by rogue branches and shrubbery, I finally get situated in the perfect position for persimmon picking. I reach for the persimmons above me. They're blood-orange peel, glistening in the morning sun. I look over and my eyes greet the married couple that just moved in next door earlier this year. Oh, great. Wonderful. They've just been watching me struggle and fight this tree for the past 10 minutes. So I wipe the sweat off my brow and I awkwardly wave. Hi, morning. I'm like, so sorry. This is like a random like thing if you ever see my mother up here, she's like an old Asian lady. She loves wearing pink sweatsuits. Can you like tell her not to be in trees? Or like, you know what, just like text me if you like see anything. If you see something, text me something. So just the week before, my mother fell from this persimmon tree. Again. Yes. Again. I was taking a nap upstairs, and I gently hear some tapping on my door. Hey, hey, hey. Son? 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 I really try my best to will her away because I just wanted to sleep. But I hear my door open, and she tries to get my attention once more. I slowly open my eyes, and I see her standing there. I'm annoyed. I just wanted some alone time, but my eyes adjust and the sleep begins to fade in my eyes, I noticed that her clothes were disheveled. There was a faint amount of dirt smeared across her face, and she was holding a bloody towel to her head. In Chinese, she asked me if I could help her put on some ointment to help stop the bleeding. Great. What did she do now? What did mom do now? She was trying to hide her guilt, but I start to recall, like, that day, she was going to pick some fruit off our trees. I quickly put two and two together, and she fell from the tree again. She fell from the tree again! Again! I was like, you fell out of the tree? You fell out of the tree. 
What had happened was she fell 10 feet, hit her head on a rock, and she just had back surgery in March of this year. I'm so annoyed. And like, even like, I, she's, she looks fine. We're going to bring her to the ER, but like, I'm just like, I have to enlist my neighbors to help me spy on my mom to make sure that she's not in our trees again. Like, it's ridiculous. She's in her 70s and she, and wait. Oh. Oh my God. I just, John just texted, John just texted me. She's in the tree again. I need to, I need to, ma, 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 you can't. This piece was produced by Scott Wen and David Gonzalez as part of KCRW's 24-hour radio race. Scott Wen here on Build a Big Podcast. That was Persimmon Tree, backing it out just like it's a radio record. I want to talk about radio race, the 24-hour deadline on this. And I'm curious about your background. Let's go back into this. You are a creator, you're a writer, you're a producer. Let's talk about your background in radio. What enabled you to jump in on this and why did you want to do that? This was like such a last minute thing. I got like an email because I'm signed up for the KCRW newsletter. And I was like, oh, there's this radio race that's happening. So I signed up me and my boyfriend to just do it because it seemed like a really cool thing to do. Because right around that time, got the email. I was already coaching my speech debate team in high school. And I decided to start a podcast about high school speech and debate because I actually was very successful in speech and debate during my high school years. And as like coming back as a coach. So you've got a background in speaking yourself. I do. You've got a background in podcasting because of this. This kind of got you into that. And, and we talked about your boyfriend. That's David. Mm-hmm. David is the sound designer for this. So that music that yes. you heard... He's the guy who made that happen. You put the stuff on top of it. Is that how you differentiated? Like, I'm going to work on this and you're going to work on this? David, he's a composer and he's also like, he does a lot of like podcasting himself. So I knew that he knew the know-how of how to put together an audio segment, right? He was already doing my podcast for me and he was doing some other podcasts. His job is literally music is literally music. So the how, how we were going to approach this was we were given the prompt like the day of. And so then I just thought, you know what? All the previous winners, they all had like soul bearing, you know, sobbing, sob stories. Typical NPR. So I was like, I can do that. Yeah, typical NPR, right? <laughs> Bear your soul to like the world. Right. Um, in like, you know, with a good radio voice. And so <laughs> I was like, I can do that. That's not hard. I have so much trauma in my life. I can talk about that. I mean, you know, you, can, you can't get me to shut up. So that was the plan. And so when we first got the top. Let's talk about that because this is how it works is you sign up for this thing. And for me, it was at noon on Saturday. They send you this prompt. You don't know what it's going to be like. You're hoping, though, I'm imagining, like you've got this 30-something years of experience. You're saying, well, I can handle it. That's where you were when this happened. So the topic was, won't you be my neighbor? Yes. Did you know exactly what you were going to do? No, I panicked. (laughs) It was like a lot of like, oh, no. Did that throw your plans out the window? It really did because David and I went in of like, Scott's going to be the content creator and then David's going to produce it. Like he's going to write music to it. He's going to do the sound design. And I was just going to be the source of all the writing. And so when we saw that, I was like, great, I have nothing. So then we had to quickly pivot. And I just turned to David and I was like, I live at home. I live in suburbia. So, you know, I've known my neighbors for 
decades and nothing interesting. You know, this is LA. No, we don't know our neighbors, right? Especially in suburbia. <laughs> we don't talk to each other. So I was like, I have nothing. And so I know that David in his apartment, he had like the craziest neighbors and his neighborhood is just so LA. And so we like started to toy around with the ideas of like first talking about his old neighbor who actually moved away last year. He was like a disaster of a human being. And David, we quickly found out David was really uncomfortable with slandering his old roommate. I was like, maybe that's like yeah. not an okay thing to do. Well, that's something that we have to think about. And I thought about the same thing, getting the same prompt that you did say, well, one, I've got to live with these people. Yeah. And two, the ethics of journalism. It's one thing, I think, when you're interviewing someone in a straight interview or a discussion like we are now where somebody's right. actively participating. But if right. you're telling somebody's story for them, or maybe let's argue and say with them, what goes in and what goes out? What kind of commentary do you add? Do you say the morbidly obese man walked into the room? <laughs> Whoa, maybe they didn't want to have you talk about that. Well, I mean, because he was just like, he just caused so many, that neighbor cause just caused so many problems for everyone in the complex. And so then we were like, oh, we'll just interview everyone about them and then end, like, end the four minute segment of like, oh, we talked to our landlord, but he interestingly enough refused to comment. But then we were like, you know what? No, 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 that's like not okay. So then we quickly moved on. He actually moved to this apartment building because his best friends had moved there. And then because they moved there, there was an opening. And so then we were going to, like, do a piece about, like, their friendship. And then, like, they're literally best friends. Like, they've known each other since college. They were roommates in college. Even today, they're still very, very, very good friends. And so when we first did the interview, this is, like, our second false start. Uh, we tried to do, like, an interview between them. So wait a minute. So you're actually starting on each of these ideas. Yeah, we actually, like, planned it out. I kind of quickly outlined, like, for, like, so the first false start with, like, the crappy neighbor, um, I did outline, like, this is what we're going to do. Wow, saying the clock is ticking the whole time. You only got 24 yeah. hours. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Second hour, tried to outline something with him and his best friends. And when we got to the interview portion, it was just, like, the most boring conversation. <laughs> like, no one would have been, inter like, it was nice for them to catch up again. But no one cares, right? A question about that. He was doing the interview or you were? I was trying to do the interview and I was trying to get them to tell stories of right. them coming together. But it just kept not happening. We kept getting sidetracked. And, and no matter how much effort I would try to like get us back on board, it just... It just wasn't happening. You know, like, when you were interviewing someone, it's just not happening. Like, it's just, like, we couldn't use most of it. Let me, let me talk about that. Do you think that that had to do with their previous relationship? Do you think it had to do with your skill level? Do you think there was a way for you to have maybe made that work? Because this is something we push up against all the time when we're doing interviews. It's our job to be skillful, get that story, and then later do what we're going to talk about here and piece that story together. But... At the same time, it's like, yeah, sometimes it's not a match and there's no good story that's going to come out with it. How do you make that decision and how do you know if it's you or if it's them? I think it was a combination of everything. I was doing a pretty poor job at interviewing, to be completely honest and frank, because I didn't really know where they were going to go. I knew they had stories and I kind of wanted that to kind of emerge organically because that's like the best storytelling right when storytelling can come organically and it's not forced that's like the best stories that you'll get 
I was doing a, not a great job at keeping the interview in check. I just wanted to know like exactly how them moving in together helped. But I feel like they were also a little lost themselves because I was a little lost. Right. And then it kind of just quickly deflated. Like I wasn't really helping. They weren't really providing much. And then I try to get them to talk more about certain things, but then we would go off on tangents really quickly. And so I feel like it was just like everyone was just not present. And did you explain to them, did you say, hey, I've got to get this story done, completely done, beginning, middle, yes. and end in four minutes. Did you explain that to them? Yes, they do. <laughs> well, it's it's hard for people to know but I was going to bring that up because sometimes I don't know that they need to know because sometimes people would feel pressure. I know when I'm in the studio, I'll tell people, look, Stephanie's my engineer. I said, let Stephanie worry with chopping this thing up. You keep yeah. going because I don't want you to quit five minutes before the miracle. At the same time, if you've got 24 hours, that's one of the things I wanted to jump into is like, how do you make these decisions? Because buddy, that clock is ticking. You've got to have this thing yeah. pressed by the next day. It for you, it was 10 AM. We started the interview and, and I knew it was going to take a while. Right. Cause that was all going to be on David. I was like, sorry, David, you just have to like sort through like this BS. And like, just cause right. Like just same thing in writing, right. Like with writing, just get it on paper and then you just polish it, polish that turd until it becomes a diamond. So no, no, wait a minute, wait a minute. I want to, I want to go. I know I'm jumping in on this. Are you saying you you're making him edit this? I am making him edit this. Yes, <laughs> because I don't know. Okay. He, this is his job. This was like his. I mean, I already knew. I thought like, he was just the music guy. No, he was also the editor, and so it's like I was like <laughs> I was supposed to be like the creator because at this point. Because we had abandoned using me as like the creator. So that's fine. You know, I will help facilitate. I will help direct and produce. And I just want to get them talking until they're comfortable and then they can settle in. And then, you know, after what, maybe 20, 30, 45 minutes of talking, we'll, you know, that we'll get all the crap out of the way. And then we can get into like the meat of their story and their story together. But did you pull those pieces out though and tell him what to actually chop up? It wasn't just all on him, was it? We were on the phone for like two hours. We were all like, it was like a two hour interview. And then we had to step away for a little bit after like we hung up and like had like completed the call and everything. I was going through the interview in my head and we didn't have good sound bites. No story came out entertaining or organically or right. compelling. Right. And so I felt kind of bad for like wasting their, you know, two hours of their time, but it just quickly became apparent. It just wasn't usable because it was just a really boring story of like, oh yeah, we had apartment open up and we wanted him to move in. David said yes. Like, and then, and then what? In. And then what? Right. And it sounded like, oh, that's not like a great story. Like there was no like, and I remember him moving in wasn't a big drama. There was no like they're best friends. They really like each other. They love each other. And I was hoping that I would hear more of their stories from college because they do have crazy stories where like when they live together, a lot of drama went down. Like Justina almost poisoned one of the roommates by leaving the gas on. They didn't know the gas was on. How that happened, I have no idea. So they just had some like crazy like college living yeah. stories. But we didn't really get into that because, again, I was doing a poor job at interviewing them. Let's dive into that a little bit because you're saying a couple of things that I think are so important to talk about. One is that if you know a little bit about somebody ahead of time, it's okay for you to guide them into those stories. Yeah. And probably could have shaved, it sounds like, a couple hours. Say, hey, tell me about yes. the time you left the gas on and your roommate yeah. almost died. That's a story. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing is that I'm curious about, there's also a time for you to cut things off 
And yes. you made the decision. Did you have that conversation with them? Or is it one of those awkward things where you're like, I lost the tape, you know, and we don't know what happened to it. Did you let them know that they weren't really performing to your standards? After those two hours were over, it was really clear that like just none of it was usable. And so then we just quickly pivoted towards something else. We also understood like this interview, like of them just telling a story wasn't what this radio race needed. Let's take a step back and let's think about this competition as a whole. What are we doing? What's the whole point of this? KCRW wants us to produce a four minute radio segment ready for radio to be broadcasted across LA. Do they want to hear about this? No, they don't. Right. Like it was just really <laughs> obvious. Like it just wasn't. The interview was crap. The format was not great. And then no matter how we were to edit and cut it, it just wasn't. I guess I I was thinking, oh, maybe David could do like a narrative and we could splice in quotes or whatever. Right, right. But then it just quickly became like, no, this is going to be way too much work for such little return. Let's start over. (laughs) Well, I think that's there's something to be said about that because one, you only had four minutes. And if you've got a ton of tape, what are the important parts that you're going to pick out? And it's got to be that complete story, that beginning, middle, and an end. And, and that's exactly. what I found so challenging about doing this. Even to the point of, I was talking to a friend of mine from NPR during the process, and she said, well, keep in mind that if somebody says something in five minutes, you can say it in maybe five seconds with a narrative. So you do have some kind of control. Right. But with the timeline coming in the air, sometimes it's better just to scrap it take complete control and start over again. And I guess they say uh, third time's the charm. <laughs> well, actually, so the third time. Or was it the fourth or fifth time? <laughs> it was the fourth or fifth time. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah. so then our third, not a false start. So I, I quickly realized that like, no, you know what? I need to write a narrative. Radio, This American Life, very, not podcast, because podcasting is like a very specific genre. And even I would say, Radio dramas, that's like, that's the only overlap, I feel like, because podcast is a very interview-heavy format or very, like, vernacular conversational format, whereas I've noticed on the radio, it's highly produced, highly, like, controlled and yep. written and whatever. So we're like, okay, you know what, we need to abandon this, this isn't working. And then I quickly remembered what happened to my mom, like, just literally, like, a few weeks ago before the radio race, was that she fell and because it was Won't You Be My Neighbor, I knew that if you hit the hammer on the head too hard, like too literal, also not a great idea. So as long as you were in the general <laughs> neighborhood, no, 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 <laughs> that it would probably be a better option. And so then I do recall, since my mother is crazy and doesn't listen to anyone, she likes to climb our persimmon tree and she fell. And how old is your mother? She's 71. 71. So <laughs> there 71. she is. Up, Mom's up in the tree again. Yes. And I remember like, you know, just like my story, like, you know, it was that Sunday. And then that was when, you know, I finally was able to talk to our new neighbors. And they're like, yeah, we were going to like say something because we always see her up there and it's so dangerous. <laughs> and like, we didn't feel like it was our place. And I was like, oh, no, 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 no. Please let us know. Because earlier, also around the same time, their mother also fell from their lemon tree. So their mother was also climbing. You guys got an orchard going on out there. Seriously, here. like, I don't know what's up with, like, these boomer women of, like, I mean, they're both <laughs> immigrants, which I get, but it's like, they don't listen to anyone. And we're like, mom, and like, I know you're able-bodied, and like, mama's in great shape. Asian don't reason. So she's, like, in great shape. She's very mobile. She doesn't look 71. She doesn't act like she's 71. 
but she also just had major back surgery. So we were like, maybe you shouldn't be doing this. And for the fact that she fell like 10 feet from a tree and she hit her head on a rock was very, very concerning. And our neighbors, their mother like also fell from the lemon tree 10 feet and hit her head on a rock because like the soil in Claremont, there's like massive boulders around just because our soil is very rocky there. So then we both were like, okay, yeah, if we see each other's mothers, climbing the tree will text each other and be like, can you guys like not do that? There's a fact. Like, yeah. That's an interesting way to get to that story of, of neighborhood yeah. now. And, and I think that's the fascinating thing we do as producers is we're pulling like one instance, like, Hey, we're going to text each other, call each other or something, but you're building drama around it. Hey, mom's up in the tree again. Is she going to fall? Is she, oh my gosh, we're getting a text. <laughs> that's really what we're all trying to do. And it's a fascinating way of looking at, I guess, the brief that won't you be my neighbor. Right. And that's really about looking out for each other, right? So you could go anywhere you wanted with that. Because I knew that it was like, you know, it, it included our neighbors. So we already fulfilled that spec. And then we were just waiting for it to see what the bonus element was. So, all right. So we need to explain this. And I explained this a few episodes ago. So KCRW in the middle of this, they say, in about five hours or seven hours, we're going to send you another email. You've got the brief there. Won't you be my neighbor? If you add this other thing to your production, you get bonus points, which anyway, and, and that was a door knocking sound. You tell me what you thought when you saw that. Oh, I was like, oh, done. Because it was already going to be part of like the sound design. See, I, I thought that is cliche as hell. No way <laughs> am I going to ruin this great story by putting a door knock in. I don't, it could have been a cow mooing. It couldn't have been like, yeah, you mean, know, like. <laughs> maybe work for it a little bit, you know? <laughs> when I saw it, I was like, oh, that's like super easy. Like that's not hard at yeah. all. Well, it could fit some stories. I think my thing, what I'm getting at is that I wasn't going to change my story around just to put a sound yeah, effect in, you exactly. know, and I wasn't going to be that NPR guy who shows up and you're, you know, <laughs> oh, hey, oh, hey, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm here with the radio station. You know, that yeah. NPR seems to have these cliches where you hear them driving up, they get the keys out of the ignition, they walk up, knock on the door. Yeah. It's like, I'm not going to, I only got four <laughs> minutes. That's 20 seconds that I could be doing something else. Our challenge was trying to get it down to four minutes because our third attempt was, you know what? Here, let me just tell this story as if it was like a podcast. Like, let me just tell this story like a podcast. But then again, we quickly realized, no, 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 no. This needs to be written. So when you say written, you're going to write it out. I was going to write it out and perform Narrate it. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Because it just like, I was like, yeah, it sounds good, but my story is like 20 minutes long. How the hell am I going to edit a 20 long story <laughs> down to four minutes? Right. Then I had to go home, Um, you know, from my parents to like head back home. It was getting kind of late. It was okay. I take that back. I know late is relative. So it was late for me. It was like six <laughs> at like in the evening. And I was like, okay, I should go home and like check in on my mom. You know, like we can attack it again. And since I was already in a piss poor mood the entire day, David was furious with me for being have like a really bad attitude about everything. So I wasn't already thinking kind of clearly. Well, that tension could have added. That's like the Beach Boys getting together in the studio. You got brothers and cousins and partners. <laughs> like, Sometimes it adds to the tension, but apparently <laughs> it was not so good. I mean, David's a great boyfriend. He was very supportive. He's very, very patient. And it didn't help that on my way home, there was really bad traffic. And I literally got run off the road by this pickup truck. Oh, There was like a road rage incident that we had. I have it on video, actually, from my, cause my car, from like my dash cam. And um, if you had sound, that could have been your story. <laughs> I was like, I was so angry. And so I got there and then David was like, what's wrong? And I like, told him what happened. 
And then I was like super pissed and I was just so ready to give up. I was like, I'm done. We just don't finish this. I'm in a piss poor mood. And it's like another project that I want to do that, of course, didn't get finished because of like mental health issues. And I'm like, this is the worst thing ever. But on my way home, as I, you know, right before I got literally like ran off the road, I was thinking, how can I condense this story into four minutes? And then that was when I realized, oh, I know exactly where to start. Like, I was already toying around and timing myself on, like, the drive home. And I just had to go back to, like, my writing basics 101. Write what you know, show, don't tell. Yeah. And you have four minutes. Do it. You can do this. Because I think it helped me doing the 20-minute segment a few times. Because David had me restart because I was, you know, getting off on tangents. And I think (laughs) doing the 20 minutes for, at least for us, really helped me realize what's the meat of this story? Where do I actually start? Yeah. Once I got home and I was able to, like, trauma dump onto David... I also couldn't bear the fact that I wasn't able to finish another project. And out of sheer spite, I opened up a Google Doc. I wrote down what I thought I was going to write down. And um, it was about like four minutes-ish. So then I I tested it again, flushed out what I needed to flush out, what I needed to cut, added things I needed to add in. And David tried giving me pointers. And I was like, no, shut up, shut up. I'm in like, I'm in the zone. Shut up and let me write. Just let me write. Just let me write. I just need to get this out. I need to get this out before I lose it. Once I have it down, he was like, okay, are you, are you ready? Can I say something now? We recorded it. I think we recorded it twice and I regret not going back and re-recording it and like really honing it in. But I was already so over it because I was just not like such not a great place that like I'm done and like I was like I'm not gonna do this anymore and see what it's on to you well that was the balance of this thing right you've got 24 hours and I remember I went to bed about 6 a.m that next day because I was like you I had this big bucket full of stuff that it could be and I was like okay I interview this guy he used to be in the music business had a deal lost it I could interview this I so I'm setting up things I got a trans friend of mine that I was going to talk about I mean I knew it was going to be probably one of those buckets from NPR it's like I'm yeah I'm like you I was going for the emotion Yeah, And then I had to cancel on people and I had to go through some of them. But it got to the point for me at the end where it's like, I could stay around and tweak this, but I have a bigger chance of messing it up than I have making it better because I was tired and it's not going to be perfect. And there has to be a time when you just say, cut, we're done. Yeah, What I ended up doing was going to bed after I'd submitted the thing, they got it. I went in and I re-edited it myself. Uh, I was like, I know that this could be better. Better. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but when you're on deadline, this is something important because you're going to face this if you're doing radio production or podcast production. Sometimes you've got to get it out and you have to just make a decision. Maybe it's not the best decision, but it's the best decision you could make at the time. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, I just wish I had a better attitude at the time because we did finish relatively quickly. I feel like we were one of the first teams. Relatively quickly is what? 12 hours. So we started at 10. (laughs) You could have done two of these. (laughs) Right. And then I believe we submitted exactly at 10 or 9.55, like, p.m. or something like that. Because I was already, like, I was tired. We had been doing this entire day. I was, you know, again, not mentally, like, in a great place. Was that related to the radio race or was that other things? Other things. I woke up on, like, the wrong side of the bed. Yeah. You know, I was complaining to David, like, the other day, like, 
you know, past me always screws over future me. You know, when I sign up for something, I'm like, oh, I'm really excited to do this. And then oh, yeah. that day rolls around and yep. they're not in a great mood. I'm like, of course, of course I have to do this. And like, you know what I mean? I'm like, not in a great mood and blah, blah, blah. But I just like had to power through, if not for like David, but for for me. Well, I like what you said about just finishing it. Because I know for me, yeah. like right now I'm working on a book. I'm working on a very long audio documentary that's taken me months in several episodes. And one of the reasons that I got into Radio Race, I thought I will be done with something at the end of 24 hours and it's going to yeah. feel good just to complete something. If, if it's good, great. If it's not good, whatever, I will have completed something. And I think there's value to that. And that's one of the things I love about it. I would recommend anybody do this and you can oh, go for to sure. KCRW, look it up and they do it every year. Yeah. Cause for me, I just really wanted to do something creative and I hadn't done anything creative in like such a long time. I used to do improv a lot and the pandemic hit. So yeah. that was like on hiatus. I also just really miss writing. So just like going back to my speech and debate roots, there was like this event called original prose and poetry that um you literally write original prose and or poetry. And I did very well on that event. And I really missed that. So I was like, oh, this is a great opportunity. It's only four minutes. I can knock this out of the park. It's not hard. Yeah, but it's four minutes easier than that 20 that you initially got. Because to me, <sighs> I know that like I'm used to tight like advertising, for example. You got 30 yeah. seconds. But it, it's not necessarily a beginning, middle, and an end. And I certainly do a tight edit yeah. on all the podcasts, even the interviews that I do, but not that tight. I was like, whoa, <laughs> I, I had 20 minutes of tape, 28 minutes of tape and took it Ooh. down to four. I thought, I don't know how I'm going to do this, but I had had a little bit of stand-up comedy background. I'd done some work with a friend of mine who kind of taught me his process. He calls it right tight. Yes. And what he would do, because these guys have a stand-up set that's maybe 90 seconds, three minutes, whatever you can get, that they will go through a joke and they will say, this word doesn't belong here like the take it out yeah because it's yeah. a quarter of yeah. a second yes and i thought like that and i was like okay this is cool and now i put up a meme on my instagram i said I, you know i'm chopping this thing up like one of these guys at a japanese steakhouse you know i'm like <laughs> i'm finding it to be like a really cool skill i think it's going to make my production on interviews and commercials and everything better because i found out that i could do it and i didn't know that i could beforehand so in that case it was super empowering to me the four minutes was a challenge, but I feel like it forced me to think, again, calling back to my high school days, we only have 10 minutes every second counted. These four minutes really forced me to really take a step back and be like, okay, yeah. I get it. There's, you know, 100, whatever, 200 entries. They can't listen to 10 minute pieces each. So I get why it's four minutes. And honestly, a good story should really only take about four to five minutes anyways to get to like the punchline, the climax and the denouement. Four to five is really all you should really need to tell a compelling story. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was just like a writing challenge. Do you think they actually listen to all four minutes? Because coming from a music background, one of the things that we do, a song is about 3.30, a good song. Mm -hmm. That's the perfect time for one. But what we'll do is we'll call it a verse chorus. And there are a lot of times, even in the intro, like, eh, not grabbing me, done, next, yeah. next. And I was thinking like that. I said, man, I got to have a strong opener oh, in this. Interesting. I don't even know they're going to give me four minutes because a listener certainly wouldn't. Well, because I'm thinking, what, four minutes, let's just say there was, you know, 150 entries. That's 
oh no, four times 15, 600 minutes. That's 10 hours of listening. Not impossible to do, but I have a feeling what they actually did was ended up splitting all the entries. And I feel like their judges picked like, oh, these are my top whatever. And then they would come in as a group and then listen to those maybe. I'll tell you how I think they did it. This is another music business thing. I think they gave the big batch of them to interns. And if Mm. something was a complete turd, it immediately yeah. got tanked and never saw the second round, third round. And I think so. The very final judges, they say, listened. I think those guys probably only listened to maybe 10, maybe max. Yeah. Cause on the SoundCloud, I saw that KSRW listened to it. And then also Sam Sanders, Sam, one of the judges listened to that as well. So wait, you can tell who's listening to your stuff on SoundCloud? Yeah. So David pays for his SoundCloud. So I think if you pay for it, um, oh, you that's get a trick. Like, that's a trick. Yeah, you get those analytics. Yeah. That's very specific stats if somebody's logged into SoundCloud that Yes. You know. Yes. That's good to know. And so that was how we knew that they listened to it already. We're like, oh, okay. So they listened to our piece. That's funny. I was looking at the stats. I was thinking, well, somebody listened 20 times and this guy has 40 times. <laughs> so either he's got a big audience or they really like his and they're passing it on. I, I was doing the mental math. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think it's also like people like, cause I, I saw like when, when we submitted people had to listen to it. Like I saw some, like one of the entries was listened to like 140 times already. I'm like, Oh my God. And I was realized, Oh, right. They posted on their Twitter. They have a big Twitter. They went to Fiverr and bought 1000 right. SoundCloud downloads for $5. Right. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, Oh, okay. That makes sense. It was a really fun thing to do. And it was, you know, in the end, I'm really glad I, I finished it. I'm really glad I did it despite what happened during the day. Cause you, know, you can't really tell when I'm like telling the story. Next year, I'm definitely going to like do it. I have a p- clear mind of like what I, my opinion that they're looking for. And I just wanted to get this. We were just trying to fulfill the spec. You know, I thought about what were they looking for in this. And yeah, there was an element of me that wanted to play to that. Because you can imagine NPR and where NPR is going and coming in as a straight, white, middle-aged guy. (laughs) I was like, well, is that working for me or against me on this? And how can I approach that and work around it? So I'm, again, I'm doing the mental math. Like, how can I get attention? Then there was the punk rock part of me. I was like, fuck it. (laughs) Just do it. I'm going to do whatever I do. And if they like it, great, because this is for me. And that's what I would tell any podcaster to do. Do it for you. Do the thing that gets you excited and do the thing you can use in your portfolio. Because the reality was, I didn't know if it was going to get listened to at all, but I knew that I was going to have a portfolio piece that I could take and show people, yeah, you can do a story like this with me. Yes. So that was my thought in the end. I didn't want to be like Vanilla Ice. And I say that because... Coming from the music business, you'll hear Vanilla Ice and for years, he's like, man, they just changed my sound. You know, I was so cool. I was street and they made me pop. It's like, <laughs> I never want to have the Vanilla Ice situation where I feel like somebody changed what I wanted to do. And then I can't be proud of what I did because I'm yeah. the one who has to live with it. And these guys, like we said, we don't even know if they even listened to it. Maybe they did. Sam did, apparently. They knew whatever I did had to be authentically me. Yeah. And it's really hard for me not to be authentically me because it's like, you are only you. Yeah. And so that's what I teach my kids too, is like, especially for like any original piece that they write, if it's not you, why are you even writing it? It doesn't make sense. So that's why like I added in the Chinese because I'm very like Chinesey. And then it was well, your also mom is like, definitely. And yeah. Yeah. My mom is definitely Chinese. Yeah. And I wish I maybe had gotten her to like say some stuff and, 
added more of that. But I just figured, oh, but this is like for English radio. I don't know if they'll be okay with too much. Like, they don't know what you're like, saying. <laughs> right. You and I, I, you know, they're also like, oh, is he cursing? Is yeah, he exactly. That's what I mean. Yeah. So let me ask you about that. Because one of the things that I think about when I am doing any kind of radio or podcasting is I like to bring in different voices. Hmm. You did not bring in your neighbor. No, I did not. And I'm curious about that decision because to me, that would have changed the story and made it, uh, maybe made it more real. Like I could have, uh, you know, in my mind's eye, envisioned the neighbor seeing this tiny Asian woman climbing a tree. <laughs> Tell me about the decision with that. Was that a time thing? You just couldn't get to the guy? Yes. It was a mixture of, I didn't want to have to, I, uh, you know what? It was, it was a, I think my final decision was it was going to be too hard. Because I didn't know I was going to do that particular segment until I had gotten home. By the time we started working on it, it was already like 8 p.m. So I remember we submitted at like 10. So by the time 8, like 8 was when I had more or less finished my copy and I was beginning to starting to record the four minute segment. I had the thought of including my numbers went into my head, but I don't know how to incorporate that into the story. It's relatively late ish. They have a child. I could text them, but then it's like, I have to go over and then, you know, interview. I'm just like, no, I don't like, I'm over this. So it was like a time, a know-how technical, like. That was one of the frustrating things to me about this. But like I'm saying, is, is this the best I could do? No. Is it the best I could do in this time period with limited resources? Right. Yeah. I mean, on one hand, I really loved knowing that I was going to have to finish it. Right. But if I wouldn't have been able to get in touch with the guy, I was recording. I think I texted him within like 20 minutes of getting the brief and I was rolling tape within 90 only because this guy was working. He said, I can yeah. meet you at one. I was like, okay, good. Let's do it. Oh my gosh. And I could have been rolling tape within like, because it's, won't you be my neighbor? He's in my neighborhood. I knew who I yeah. was going to go to. And I was already familiar with his story, but I really lucked out with that. And had I not been able to get in touch with people or been like you in Los Angeles, where maybe you don't necessarily know your neighbors in certain areas, or you're in a more transitional place where people are coming and going like a lot of students and last month's neighbor was not this month's neighbor. Right. <laughs> you know, this, they just yeah. moved in. That's the thing. And I do think there's a risk anytime you open up the mic to anybody without going in with some sort of plan or pre-plan, right, you don't right. know what they're going to say. Yeah. And that was just like, at that point when we had decided that it was going to, we were going to pivot back to me, I knew exactly what I wanted to do. The thought did cross my mind, but I quickly dismissed it because it was, I just, like, this is my first time ever doing the race. So I had, I've never produced radio before. I had, you know, already maybe recorded two episodes of my podcast. So very, very, very new at this whole, like, audio producing thing. Still really feeling out um, what, like, you know, what the process is and mm -hmm. what the creative process would be How like. How about the tech? Were you good on the tech or was that something that David That was all David. That was okay. all David doing all that because I knew he was, he was going to be in charge of editing it and putting music to it. See, that's and, such and a great design thing to have in your back pocket there is somebody yeah. who knows how to mic you up how to get great sound because when i was listening to the other entries some of them were amazing some of them were definitely pro radio people and others it's like tin can and a string that they're using and it just doesn't have the impact even if the same word is there and the same story is there i didn't have a great setup because i was at home our first few tries i was able to use his fancy podcast mic yeah. to record but then, you know, when I left home, I don't, I don't have that. I mean, now I do like, you know, my, 
my brother-in-law, he gave me a mic for Christmas. But at that time, I was just literally just using my Bluetooth Beats X wireless <laughs> microphone to record right. it. Sure, it sure. was so sad. Um, <laughs> and again, you know, I was just like, let's just get this off your Well, you jumped in, though. I, mean, I think there's something to be yeah. said for just jumping in. And, and a lot of people are like, well, you know, the... It, it's storming outside and you know the wind's blowing a little bit. Maybe I shouldn't do this. And people are looking for all sorts of excuses. Exactly. And, and, and Mike would be one of them. Yeah. <laughs> well, look, I, I thought about the same thing too. I, I thought even seeing this radio race was happening. I thought, man, you know, I'm in the middle of this book and I'm trying to get this other stuff done. And yeah, you know, it's just a hard time. Do I really want to jump in on this? Like you said, you can book it out months in advance and it seems that it's not that close and you'll have a lot of energy surely by then. Right. And right, then it comes right. around like, oh, this weekend I've, I've signed up for it. But I was glad to jump in. I will be doing it again. I'm recommending people do it. That's one of the reasons I wanted to have you in here. And, and I got to say, that's been the coolest thing for me is seeing the community around Radio Race. It's so cool. Oh, people are tweeting. Yeah. As they were going along. And what I didn't do with that, and I'm curious about your experience, I didn't look at hashtag radio race for probably about the first seven or eight hours. So I've already got my stuff. I've cleaned up the audio. I'm editing it. And then I looked at it and I said, "Uh uh-oh, these guys are doing real radio. And that sounds weird if you know my background, because I do real radio and I do real production. (laughs) You do do real radio. Sure. (laughs) But I was in there with... I mean, I don't know. I mean, these NPR super nerds, I'm not like a comparison type guy, mm. but when it comes to the morbidly obese man walked into the, <laughs> I don't do that kind of radio. So I thought yeah. I'm over my head. It was my first production like this. The, oh, the, the first completed production because I get into commercials and things and I get into other marketing type things and I've got this long documentary, Yeah, but it never finished anything. So I didn't know what they were going to think. I knew that the social media aspect was like one award and I knew I had no interest in that because I'm terrible at social media and I just really wanted to focus on my story. So we didn't take a look at the hashtag radio race until I would say after we submitted because I was just so focused on yeah. getting our story out. And, and what do you think when you saw it? Were you in the same situation like me? You're like, wow, this is a lot of people jumping in on this. I don't mean to sound... um like a terrible human being, but I was like, why are people still working on this? (laughs) That was really neat because yes, it did take us 12 hours, but really we only for at least that four minute segment that we produced, we really only spent two and a half. Yeah. Well, if you'd been organized, if you knew the story was there and I think that's part of it that people don't understand is like there are false starts and there is a lot in in the music business, we would call it the hang. Mm. Meaning that if you're going to get a gig as a player, or we sometimes say 23 hours, this is what my company is called 23 hours. They say, you don't pay me for the hour that I'm on stage. You pay me for the 23 hours it takes to get there. Yes. And that part of the business is just the hang. It's waiting for that great idea to show up or. Right. That strike of lightning. Yeah. 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 And it's not instant. I mean, you're not like a, you're not a machine. And yeah, so I mean, it was just, I feel like we did finish, I feel like we were one of the first teams to finish, and I felt a little bit insecure about that, because I'm like, oh, shoot, people are still working on it. We, I, I had already submitted. <laughs> sure. So I'm like, hmm, did I do something wrong? But I'm like, but it's only four minutes. I'm like, how much could you do? It's just a four-minute segment. Well, they did a lot. Yeah. I know, I'll, a lot of people, I, I, I saw. Yeah. <laughs> but everyone was like well, freaking out. Was there like, was one oh. guy who had uh, like a full-on band and we're we're composing right now. We're, I was like, uh-oh, well, this guy's oh. going to have a, a custom soundtrack. 
<laughs> people are asking me about my sound design. I'm like, yeah, I, I just got this off some kind of royalty free. So, uh, oh, interesting. You know, yeah, I mean, same. David just uses library music they had lying around. I mean, because yeah. he's a composer, so he has all this music at his disposal. Yeah, and if push came to shove, oh yeah, he'll just write some little ditty. It's fine. Yeah. Like that's his literally his job. So I was like, I knew like sound wise, I wasn't too worried. It was just our um content, and that was on me. I was the one in charge of that. I think that was why David was really upset because he was like. Can you just do your job, please? Can you like pull yourself and snap out of it and like just do your job? Cause he was like, you, I know you can do this. It's just like you're being a super little bitch about it. Like, <laughs> and- I think it's tough though to work as a partnership. And I approached two people about doing this with me. One was an engineer, a great engineer friend that I've got. Didn't hear back from him. I had a friend of mine from NPR and she was working on a, a new show. She's like, I'm too exhausted. I just can't. Yeah. I can't give up a weekend. I, I got to sleep. <laughs> but she said, understandable. I will be available to you if you want to do a call or you get stuck or email or text. And in the end, I was glad it was just me because I felt me personally is important for me to know that I could do it without the safety net of people. Mm. But also yeah. the decision making process. I imagine that's tough, especially with you and David being partners in not just broadcasting, but other ways. You got to see him not just after, uh, <laughs> not just during the 24 hours, but the 25th, 6th, and 7th hour. During the creative part of it, I think we worked really, really well because we were both, we're both, in terms of the creative projects, we're both pretty collaborative. And I think that's what's really so important is that like, okay, you know, when he's working on his movies, he'll ask me for like, oh, how does this sound with this picture? Or what do you think this director means by this note? I'll give him my two cents. And I have to remind him because David is classically trained. He went to music school. He went to Berkeley College of Music. Like he has uh, a BM. He has like a bachelor's of music. Like he's a musician. Yeah. And he keeps forgetting. I'm sorry, the lay person. We're going to use musical terms wrong. Like, I have a music background. Of course, I'm Asian, so I learned how to play the violin at, like, you know, whatever. So, I, you know, I know music theory and all that. But sure. I, have, I, I have to remind him, like, oh, people aren't going to talk about music the way you talk about music. Yeah. Like, they're going to use these terms that they think they know. And so then when I talk to him about music, I use really abstract, like, oh, that doesn't vibe well with me. He's like, well, what do you mean? And I have to kind of, like, explain it, because he's so used to, like, directors being like, oh, yeah, it should be staccato here. And then he's like, wait, what? That doesn't make any sense. We like, just switched no... uh, Mixolydian here. We're going to take yeah. it uh, up and <laughs> like, that's not, yeah. that's not, I don't, yeah. So I think just, like, <laughs> reminding him, like, no, 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 this is what I'm saying. This is, like, the effect I want. This is the feeling I want to evoke. But in terms of this yeah. project, I just gave him full reign. I'm just like, do what you want. You're, you know, here's the content. Here's the audio. You now make it sound good. That's your job. And I don't care what it sounds like. Because, again, I was just, like, in the mood of, like, let's just get this done. And he did a really good job. Well, they thought so. You were one yeah, of the finalists, so. I guess is the way to say it. At top 10? Yeah, top 10, yeah. So 100-something entries. Mm-hmm. I think it's an honor just to be mentioned in that kind of company because a lot of those guys really were good. You know, and on one hand, it's like, is there even a fair way to do it? And the answer is, you know, it's as fair as it probably could be. Yeah. Uh, to be acknowledged, though, they obviously like the story. They like the sound design. They like you because it was your story. It was my story. You're the narrator. So that's got to feel good. Yeah. I mean, it was really so like, I was feeling really insecure about it because this is my first, literally my first creative endeavor in a very long time that I've like published um, and put out there. And especially in like a competition where it's available for everyone to see. Yeah. I didn't realize how nerve wracking that was going to oh, be yeah. until after I submitted. Yeah. Listening to the other few entries, 
I was kind of upset because I knew my story was really, it wasn't bearing my soul. It was more comedic. It wasn't like a change your life story. It was just, it's a, I knew it was a fluff piece. It's like, oh, after Morning Edition, they would maybe close it out with like some stupid story about like a dog who got, you know, and I knew that was like my piece was very much in that vein. So I wasn't expecting like first place or anything, but I was really hoping to at least make it to like the finals because the other entries I listened to, you know, not to rag on some of the entries, but I was like, I'm just really not happy about white mediocrity <laughs> being yeah. awarded recently. Yeah. And so I was just really upset. Look, because, I'm not either. Know, I'm a, I'm a white guy saying that. <laughs> <laughs> and so like my piece is very ethnic in the sense that it's very true to me, my family and, yeah. um, you know, my language. Cause they do add the Chinese in there and the Chinese is just a fun bit where I'm literally just yelling at my mom of like, can you please not do that? Can you like, <laughs> what are you doing? Can you please listen to me? Can you like, it's me, me nagging my mom. Yeah. And it's just so indicative of me and my mom's relationship. And I felt it was like a great fit, and it's a funny way to close out. The well, story. you can picture her as as somebody who that's her uh, primary language, I yeah, guess, her first and language. Exactly, and literally, my neighbors did text me too. They were actually informing me that my mother was back in the tree. So I was like, okay, well, this is like a like this is great serendipity. Well, maybe we'll have a part two where you can interview the neighbors and be like, what did you think when you moved in and you saw this little lady in the <laughs> The pink fuzzy sweatsuit. sweatsuit. Yeah. yeah. That she got free from like the hospital when she when she gets her annuals in Taiwan. They it's like so Chinese, like in her it's just hilarious. It's just very it's just very her, very well that's very what I think is family. great about this kind of stuff is you can show especially multicultural, I think it's even more powerful. Let's assume that you're being listened to by those white women who listen. <laughs> This is Scott, you'll appreciate this. Whenever I sat down for this documentary that I'm working on with white women, I would say, as a middle-aged white woman, I'm assuming you've already heard NPR. This is one of those things. So I need you to say, hello, my name is blank and blank, you know, just like the intros, and they would all get a kick out of it and it would kind of set the pace. But it really does, though, to those people who are listening to NPR show, I think, the similarities. And there's some little quirky differences, but yeah. we can all relate to a parent that maybe we've got if we're, you know, middle-aged or... And uh, obstinate. Yeah, totally. <laughs> and, and everybody's got that parent that we're getting it into. And it, it's not just an American thing. It's a Chinese thing. And it's whatever culture you're from thing. It's a mother thing. Yes. <laughs> right. We've all got that mother. And I yeah. love it that the way you describe her, it's like this little bitty lady. But even with her size, it's still that power that a mother has. Yeah. I think in, in that way, I, I think that's really the power of something like this. And it was really interesting to me to see the various people. They took that same brief and they've all got their version of that. So that's why yes. I was excited to listen to all those. And I'm with yeah. you. Some of them were like, ah, you guys just. It was very low hanging fruit. And I get it. It's like, you know, it's, it's, it was a hard prompt. It was a hard prompt. It could be right. But yeah, but it could also be one of those things. That's what I liked about it. It was like, you could just. Hey man, you ever cut a neighbor's grass? Yeah, I do. Okay, the end. Whatever. There was no right. minimum. Right, 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 right. You could have gone almost like the Simpsons. I think they do a great job of this. Is that if yes. you watch Homer Simpson, you could say, "Well, that guy's just comedically funny. He's like slapstick humor." Or you could say, "Man, there's some real depth. That's a real loving family, and yeah, they have trouble just like we have trouble, and they have great things like we have great things." Yeah. So I really liked the prompt. I thought it was fun. I think that. 
I will definitely be doing it again. I'm planning oh, on yeah. doing it. Again. It was a lot You're of fun. Do it? it was yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. Next year it's gonna be well, like, we're gonna have to in a year from now, you and I are gonna have this conversation again. Yes. And I want to talk about what did you do differently? Yes. And how things returned to what they were, what you learned, anyway, what you learned, we'll talk about that. Yeah. Uh, your mom might make a, a cameo every year. Most likely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Most likely. And uh, see if, uh, you know, you took the reins away from David and took control a little bit more, maybe. Well, I mean, honestly, like, it, we wouldn't have finished as quick if it wasn't for David. Had I just been doing it by myself, I don't think I would have completed it. Because I have no sound editing experience. I guess yeah. maybe what garage band on sure. my dinky little Mac. This is one of the reasons that I tell people it's good for you to know digital audio workstation, a doll. It's good for you to edit your own stuff. It's good for you to have those skills because you don't want anybody in between you and your message. Yeah. That's you want to get that message out there. And it doesn't mean you have to be as good as somebody like David and you have to know about uh, staccato or. Right. <laughs> or like the reverb on this or music, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which kind of reverb and what the, yeah. the attack time is or whatever on the compressor. But just the fact that you can get it out there, I think that's the power of it. And I think that I'm really thankful as somebody who's been involved in this for a while that we can have these cheap home studios. When I say cheap, say $1,000, you know, it could oh, be wow. 500 yeah. where we can do this stuff with. It would have cost so much money. Yeah. Way back in the day and taking so much time and you'd have nicks on your fingers from the razor blades. And the fact that we can do this is amazing. I'm going to, I think, practice a little bit of these things uh, just for fun, just to try to yeah. kind of go into them next year. I thought it was a fun challenge. I might be doing an independent one or something, but any uh, advice for somebody who's getting involved with Radio Race in the upcoming years? What would you tell somebody, just one big takeaway, something you would have done differently or something that would help somebody to have a more successful radio race experience? I think it's really important for them to be themselves and be authentic if they need to write it down, but like have a beginning, middle and end, like really like write it out. If you 100%, really need to yeah. write, if not outline it. Yep. And I think the most important, and I feel like this is just across the board for any creative endeavor, you always want to show and not tell. It's so easy to tell while you're talking and tell while you're in writing. But once you switch over from telling to showing, I feel like that really makes a story more compelling. And so that was what I went in during my writing. I would go back and like, okay, am I showing instead of telling? And when I am telling, can I show it or do I? It's, it's always that like debate, right? Explain but, what you mean by that. Because when I think of show, don't tell, one of the ways that I think about it is actually with sound design, meaning... I'm in a busy city, so you can hear the busy city behind me. Mm -hmm. And I don't have to say, I'm in a busy city, and this obese man is now <laughs> walking to me. Similar. So I feel like in Britain-wise, it would be like, instead of saying, like, Sunday morning, I woke up and blah, 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 right? Because I, I do put a lot of adjectives in my copy. And it was more of like, instead of saying, like, hmm, oh, the house was creepy, it would be like, oh, I walked up to, like, how is it creepy, right? Yeah. Like, it, it, just tell me how. Like are the like are so the you're boards falling off? Right. It's like it's like you want to transport your audience to wherever you guys are going, right? Because it's radio. You still have the user imagination and any words that really help with that. Even in dialogue, if you're able to reveal the subtext of your dialogue or the subtext of like your story 
without having to say like, oh, she was upset. It could be like, Jennifer said, how dare you? Why'd you cut my hair like that? It looks ugly. Like, obviously she's right. upset. Instead of saying she was it upset. It tells you she, so much you. more about right. that. Right. Yeah. And I feel it's a much more compelling story versus of just like, you telling someone about it. You want to show them. You want to like, transport them with you. Well, and even we talked about you using Chinese and Mandarin at the end. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That shows a lot. That shows yeah. a lot. That says... I asked you, I said, wait a minute, are you, are you a native Chinese speaker? Because your English is sounds native to me. So, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah, because it's just you know, like, that's what, that's literally what happened. You know, I would yell at her over through my Nest camera, or I would call her or FaceTime her and then <laughs> yell at her. And sometimes she pretends, I'll see her on Nest, look at her phone and put it down. And then like, oh, she's ignoring me? That's so no. funny. I, that is yeah. so funny. Show, don't tell. And then, I think your mom needs a podcast. <laughs> She's been through some crazy things. She's, you know, like immigrated to a different country. She came to this country without any English. She learned Spanish first. Yeah, she built a whole business by herself. She was a breadwinner for our, for my family for like the longest time. She's like an incredible woman. She also drives me insane. Oh, yeah. So. Incredible women will do that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, Definitely. Where do we get more information about you? My podcast, it's very niche. It's about high school speech and debate called Roundbreaking, a guide on how to break at speech and debate tournaments. It's really more geared towards high school students and the coaches and parents who are really familiar with the speech and debate community. Follow me on my Instagram. My handle is at M-S-T-R-C-H-A-N-G, Mr. Chang. And you can always email me at roundbreaking at gmail.com if you have any questions. I'm going to give a plug to David, too, since he had such a big part of this. And I'm actually yeah. going to do an interview with David here in a couple of months. I've got my music business show, and we're going to dive deeper into it, where we can talk about staccato and some of these things on that. But it's davidgonzalezmusic.com. Yeah, that's his website. And then his Instagram handle is at dgonzalezmusic. And it's with Z's. So he spells Gonzalez with all Z's. This has been great, man. I can't wait to do this with you next year. And it'll be fun, I think, to uh, be tagging you during the event. Scott, how's it coming? Are you you keeping it together, buddy? (laughs) Barely. My mother's calling me. Are you being nice to David? (laughs) Do I need to have an intervention for you guys? He's just here like a whip in the background. (laughs) (laughs) I got a counselor on standby in case something goes crazy. (laughs) Well, thank you for being here on Build a Big Podcast. Thank you so much for having me, David.